And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a fantastic weekend. A great show for you today. I was joined by my brother, Tyler Grant. Always a great time talking to Ty. Um, And we made some Super Bowl picks. Uh, We discussed the latest batch of classified documents found in Joe Biden's possession. Uh, We talked about the Democrats' struggles to find an heir apparent um, and how they're kind of benchless at the moment. Um, and, and how 2024 is shaping up on both sides of the aisle. It was a fun chat. I think you guys will enjoy it. Before I get to Ty, if you haven't already, guys, follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. If you are an Apple user, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Tyler Grant. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Tyler Grant. Ty, how you been, man? Good, good. Busy, but good. How about you? I've been good, man. So there's a couple things we got to get to before we before we dive into the world of politics. First and foremost, I wanted to bring this up on the show. Everybody knows how I'm a ridiculous human being. Surely you know that, my friend. Um, what do you think about this one? My wife and I just decided that we're going to start raising quail for both eggs and meat. What do you think about that one? Dude, I I am full speed on the live off the land play right now. I having spent just ridiculous amounts of money on plants over the past couple of a uh, couple of years now. I only wish and my only regret of buying the piece of property that I bought in Jacksonville is that I didn't buy enough land to have chickens and bees and be able to live off the land with like solar panels. But believe me, that future is coming. So I am I'm unbelievably jealous of the quail play, dude. So. And I'm going to call you Quail Man. (laughs) I'm going to start calling my Jeep Quail Force One. I don't know. But but with Quail, I've been doing a lot of research on it, and uh, they're just easy. They're just way – they take up a lot less space. Like for a chicken coop, you want like five square feet per bird. Quail, you need like one to two. So you can just basically build like a a small – like a a big cage almost not even like a full enclosure how you'd picture a chicken coop and i have a half acre here like i have plenty of room but just for you know time and money and like my first kids coming here soon and it's like we're not gonna have a lot of time here these next couple years so it's like quail it's like you just feed them once a day you clean the cage once a week they lay an egg a day just like chickens they don't like the roosters don't like make a ton of noise like chickens so you can have the males and actually have fertilized eggs too so it's like I don't know. And it, it, you need a lot of them because, like, four quail eggs is equivalent to the size of one chicken egg. But, like, I don't know, man. Quail's delicious. The eggs are good. I don't know. I think it, it's a ridiculous decision, but I think I'm making a good one. I Dude, anything that you can do to, I guess, take away some of your food consumption from big box grocery stores that, you know, food security for yourself and your family, I'm all for that play. I think it's going to be the future, and I think that – the more that the libs want us all to eat some sort of like, you know, I don't even know what you call it. Like the little almost meat little burgers that makes uh, Bill Gates happy. I mean, that's the future. And I think that if you want to protect your family against that, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta make the quail play. Yeah, man. 
Everybody else will be eating cricket paste. I'll be eating like deer steak tartare topped with a raw quail egg. You know what I mean? Just like, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, with like your own cabbage and and lettuce that you grow in the garden. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, man. That's a that's gonna be my uh, fun project this summer. But uh, real quick before we before we do politics, obviously everybody watched. You know, we're all watching the playoffs. Crazy games yesterday. Um, I mean, first and foremost, like I am obviously a Cowboys hater like most members of the audience. But, like, even as a guy who hates the Dallas Cowboys, it's like that the end of that game last night, like, I, I just don't know how you're going to do Zeke Elliott like that. Like, on a, on the world stage, everybody watching, you're going to match your running back up against a 330-pound lineman and just watch him get destroyed <laughs> to end the game. It's like, dude, I, my, my goodness. I mean, it is kind of funny. Like, some of the play calling – in the NFL generally, especially with games on the line, like Doug Peterson, you know, Jaguars coach, notorious for a lot of his like last minute, 11th hour, really risky plays that turn out huge. And but he is like by far the exception of like a well drawn up play that yeah. works and makes sense. Some of these other NFL coaches, they're like trick play or they're they're just last minute, you know, going to some random thing that they have not done all season play. It's like, let's get Zeke murdered on the in front of, you know, every single person on the planet trying to get to the NFC playoffs versus like, let's run some play that we've done hundreds and hundreds of times all season with a high success percentage rate. But no, no, it's, it is what it is, man. But uh, I still got uh, I think Jalen Hurts for the Eagles is going to pull it out. It's going to be him versus Joe Burrow to, to finish it out. Another uh, another attempt. I mean, it looks that way. I mean, I, I mean, I don't have any money on the line here, but like, if I were gonna bet, I would just have you'd have to pick Bengals and Eagles, and they just like peaked at the right time. Both teams did, but it's like I don't know, man. The Niners could beat anybody. I mean, they could absolutely win the Super Bowl with, you know, rookie Mister Irrelevant quarterback. Like, I, I don't know. They're just stacked on both sides of the ball. Obviously, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. They can beat anybody. So it's like I don't know, man. I I'd pr- I like I think I agree with you. My picks would be Cincy and 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 the Birds, but I don't know. Like I I've been wrong in all my other picks this year, so it's like I get you could obviously see Kansas City and the Niners. I mean, either I think any of these matchups are going to be a good game. Like I don't at least I hope we're not going to get a, a blowout Super Bowl, but I don't know. I mean, the four best teams are there for sure, and yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen next week. I mean, speaking of gambling, did you see the guy that? At the end of the halftime, or at, at the beginning of halftime, uh, Jags Chargers that he bet Chargers to win, and he bet like 1.5 mil to win like 11 grand. Oh no! <laughs> he lost. Oh, oh no! I mean, talking about just like betting the house to make 11 grand. Like that dude, that dude puts half of that in the stock market, and he makes that in three days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I mean, whoa! I get that it was twenty-seven nothing. Like I, I, I get that, <laughs> but like, I don't know, man. You just can't, you can't place that bet. Like you can never become that cocky as a human being that, that you'd be driven to place that bet. It's just you've made just as a as a person, you've just made some wrong turns along the way and need to reevaluate life. It's yeah, just, I mean, if you got that money at your disposal, why wouldn't you put like five hundred dollars for the Jags to to win or cover? And you make all your money. 
I mean, the interest on a million bucks in like a Swiss bank account is like sixty grand a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you just can't. Oh my, my goodness. Yeah. So, Speaking of being bad with money, Joe <laughs> <laughs> So the FBI, they found a fifth uh, batch of classified documents at, at Joe Biden's home in, in Wilmington. Our, our boy Greg Price pointed out that one more in old Joe's bull eligible. So that's fun. That's pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember where the uh, a former president was uh, had his, his doors kicked in with a very highly publicized photo opt FBI raid for classified documents without giving any sort of a, attempt to get the documents back before, you know, Merrick Garland harnessing the power of the federal government to attack and otherwise search a former president. But hey, man, it's just Delaware. It's just good old Joe, dude. You know, he's he's just a he's just a nice fellow. And there's only a couple docs on a couple different trips, even though we've been assured as, you know, Pierre Jean-Pierre Bonnet says from the, the podium that there are no more documents and then we'll have another another soft release. It's just it's insane. Yeah, man. And it is, I do love how the FBI, they they try, they try to avoid going to Delaware as long as humanly possible, which I mean, I, I get it. It's Delaware. You know, they're they're not alone there. But like they, they kept the Biden team kept finding more and more stolen documents on a daily basis to the point where for the sake of appearances, you know, Merrick Garland had to send some FBI agents up to Delaware. You know, this new cycle is just so hilarious to me, man. Like, the regime just spits in the face of the American people so openly now. You know, like like you said, Republicans get raided. You know, Democrats are allowed to let their lawyers handle it. Maybe a few weeks later, a couple FBI agents might might show up and make sure the house is clean and tidy. So it's just like, it's, it's comically corrupt. Like, it, it's so blatant. And, you know, people on the right... We're supposed to just shut up and take it. I mean, it's just like these people. It's like they're they're so bold and obnoxious with their corruption, you know. And uh, yeah, it's it, it is funny. It, it I'm, it's comical that they chose this weekend to actually involve the FBI. I, I mean, obviously, if it were a Republican, they would have been all over it weeks ago, probably months ago. But I mean, the, the corruption is so in your face, like it's so ag- aggressive and blatant at this point. I mean, it's crazy. Right? I mean, remember they literally raided Mar-a-Lago. And then set up this cutesy little photo op and then released it to CNN and NBC. I mean, they how are we we supposed to trust institutions that it's just these are the same people that created like Dumbledore's army and like the CFMB or whatever it was like. They're they're just not serious people. And they've done more to undermine legitimate institutions of government over the past six years than the previous like 40 years of government in the United States. And, and yeah, we're supposed to be like, Hey, no, it's, Hey, it's all good. It's all good. These, these classified documents weren't as bad as these classified documents. Meanwhile, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden are selling out us interest to China. And like, that's like a known fact. That's not a conspiracy theory or a right wing fever dream. It's just right. a fact. Right. But Hey man, his Delaware house is probably worth 40, thousand dollars a month or whatever it is for him to rent it to the good old <laughs> joe but hey man I'm, I'm just a crazy right-wing nut at this point according to our government which is insane yeah it's just through through all this entire process of discovering all these stashes of classified information the, the democrats are just in a weird spot i mean so are republicans i mean both parties are in a really weird spot going into 2024 the gop's problem is that Trump right now is still probably the favorite to win the nomination. 
And he's the one guy who can't win. You know, like he can't. Like he loses to Biden. He loses to anybody. He just the propaganda works. Some of it was his own fault. Some of it was just that the propaganda works because Democrats are really good at propagandizing the American people. You know, basically they turn white women against him. You know, white women hate Trump now and you can't win as a Republican without white women, suburban women. Um, so it is what it is, you know. And the Democrats' problem is that Biden has Alzheimer's. He's the most corrupt politician in the country, most likely, and that's saying a lot. Um, you know, we haven't heard the last of these class, the, the classified document story. There's going to be more. Um, <clears throat> there's a good bet the Chinese got a hold of a lot of them. Uh, they have this joint venture with the UPenn, you know, Biden Center. Um, and th the fact that the press and the FBI are willing to talk about this stuff at all. It's because they clearly want to move on from Joe Biden. I don't think that's a conspiracy theory either. I think they would have just shelved this. I mean, just buried it in the Mariana Trench um, if, if they thought he was the best choice for 2024. But it's like he might be, despite the corruption and the dementia and everything else and, the, you know, double digit inflation, worst economy in 40 years or whatever, despite all that. He might actually be, it's like the reverse of the Republicans' problem. Joe Biden might actually be the only Democrat who can win um, because people are so desensitized to the corruption they don't even care anymore. I mean, like Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg have been auditioning for the job these last two years, and they're, they're awful. I mean, they can't, they just can't hack it. It's like they're just not, I mean, they're a complete joke. I mean, Harris out here talking about Venn diagrams for an hour, Pete Buttigieg who figured transportation secretary would be an easy gig that would set him up for the future, but he just, it, there's just one massive transportation breakdown after another. I mean, the dude's just terrible. So it's like, they don't seem to have an heir apparent right now. I'm going to get to my prediction on who that might be later, but like, you know, I, I feel like the deep state, the people actually pulling the levers of power kind of want to move on from Biden, but they're probably looking around at, at these clowns up here. Like, okay, wait, where do we go? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it, it is kind of scary. I, I was talking about this with the, uh, with the democratic operative the other day. And I was like, you know, at least on the Republican bench, there are seven or eight post Trump people that can make a serious play. I mean, yeah. we're talking Tim Scott, Tom Cotton, Ron DeSantis. I mean, the Glenn bench Youngkin. is Glenn Youngkin. Yeah. Glenn Youngkin. I mean, I mean, and, and, that, and Glenn Youngkin is like probably the most mainstream, like straight down the pipe mm -hmm. you can get of a guy that can win in Virginia. I mean, we're talking like the, the Republican bench is five, five D plus. You start talking about the Democratic bench. Who do you got? You got a, a, a failed mayor who has in, in his single administration led a energy crisis, several transportation crises and a supply chain crisis, all of which were under his purview, <laughs> all of which happened under his watch. And, and I mean, some of it's not even clear yet. I mean, we had a we had an FAA no town shutdown. And the explanation was like, oh, we, yeah, we, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No idea. I mean, we're talking about a complete failure. I mean, you know, I, and I love the spin when, you, when you're talking about Pete Buttigieg. He's, he's got these like very, like very, very passionate acolytes that will just talk about like his genius and his, you know, his credentialism and all this kind of stuff and just go to the well for him all the time. But I mean, we're talking about a guy who, you know. Gay adoption, I, I I don't care. I think it's fine. I don't have any problem with it. I know a lot of conservatives um, take issue with it. No, I don't but care either. Yeah, he care. he adopted a child and took like six months of paternity leave <laughs> while the secretary of transportation. Like, 
I'm sorry, what? Right like, after taking the job. <laughs> I mean, it was yeah, like... I, you know, and it, it was like, but for some conservatives being like, hey, you know, there's some crisis he's going on. Can we get some comments from Pete Buttigieg? And the, you know, his press office was like, oh, yeah, sorry, he's on paternity leave and he's not in the office. And everybody's like, well, wait, wait a minute. What? <laughs> and the spin from the, the libs wasn't like, oh, actually, you know, he was working while he was doing that. The, the spin was, well, conservatives hate that gays are adopting children. It's like, no, that that's not the issue. It's like if, if you're pulling that at a serious job, you need to resign and let someone else in there. You know, if, if the president like if Ron DeSantis gets, you know, becomes president of the United States and his wife has another child and he's like, hey, I'm taking paternity leave for five months. I think a lot of people in the country would have a problem with that because I don't know. It's a serious job that takes serious people that requires full time, 24 seven attention. But hey, whatever. And then obviously, like Kamala Harris is the most incapable person on the planet. She is deeply unlikable. And then also just everything that she oversees turns to absolute nonsense. But my favorite thing is Biden, I think, is kind of retaliating for her calling him a racist on the debate stage. By like sending her on these like nonsense errands, like <laughs> that one photo op that what, she's like in the Philippines or something, and she's like clapping while like the locals are hauling out fish from the river, and she's like, "Ooh, that's a big fish." <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's I think these people when it comes to Pete and Kamala Harris, they are of I know Harris is like in her mid fifties, but there there are these like this new generation of of politicians and political operatives you see like what was that guy that the feller in the wheelchair the republican who got lost re-election he was a complete idiot was it uh cawthorn madison cawthorn how uh oh, like oh. he didn't he didn't I was know like any... dude are you are you talking about greg abbott no no like, no 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 no, bro, no. Chill. oh by the way <laughs> side note greg abbott he tweeted he tweeted during the cowboys game last night i don't know if you saw this i saw it, it was the amazing kicker tweet. missed another one. he was like i'm pretty sure i can kick a football better than this guy it's like oh no you have a paraplegic governor just trolling you on twitter like that is just like bottom of the barrel man but it was no, kind of but, funny because you kind of wonder like his his like social media team was probably like we're gonna alienate some cowboys fans with this and he was like no, i don't care i don't care he's like yeah. i'm a fan it needs to be said <laughs> like what's right is right yeah man but so cawthorn he got to congress and like he didn't know anything and didn't wasn't really interested in governance or anything so his whole staff were all like comms guys <laughs> it was all like the social media team expanded social media like he spent all the the money allotted to him for a congressional staff on like comms because that's like this new generation of, of people that want to lead the world that's all they care like they think everything is a, a communications problem you saw it's with the, with the biden regime uh over the the botched afghanistan withdrawal they were just like well you know we just need to spin it harder in the press it's like no no it's like you just drone bombed a family of innocent people like we're talking about the murder not about how the press is covering like what what are you people talking about and it's like people like Harris and Buttigieg they they really thought that they wouldn't have to do anything i think they thought as as you know a cabinet secretary and as vice president you just show up shake hands kiss babies and then become like and then you know question mark question mark and then next step become president you know what i mean it's like that's they had no idea what they were doing they're not competent at all and they just, I don't know, it's like this this fad in American politics where it's the everybody views everything through the lens of just comms and not actually accomplishing anything. Well, it's funny, too, because the, like, the Dems are the reason why the admin state is so massive 
and so complex that actually requires tremendous leadership from the yes. secretary position and the undersecretary position. But for them adding just layer on layer on layer of like Chevron deference, it would be, it wouldn't be, it would just be sort of a happy-go-lucky little job, but because it added so many layers of governance to those positions. Yeah. And like, you know, the guy that runs the EPA, that dude can change entire business apparatus in a night if he so chooses. Yes. Like we don't need somebody that's just not paying attention or just lollygagging for the cameras, man. We need somebody that actually knows what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And they're drowning in their own bureaucracies that they created. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. It is fascinating. And I think here's my prediction. I think the Democrats are going to try to make Gretchen Whitmer their champion. I think they're going to make her the face of the party. Um, you know, the, Biden's too old. He's too corrupt. You know, I, obviously, we just mentioned the, the two people that they thought were going to be the guy. It's not going to be Hakeem Jeffries or anybody like that. That's not going to happen. I think they're going to go after Whitmer. Um, Dude, Whitmer, to me, feels like a, she feels like a Hunger Games villain. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It just makes sense, man. Like the the transformation of the Democrats from a political party into the evil empire will be complete with Gretchen Whitmer. I mean, she would make sense. She checks off all the boxes. Annoying white woman. Check. Slaughtered thousands of old people. Check. Complete hypocrite on COVID. Check. Wants every single baby to die. Yep. Looks like a cartoon villain. Yep. She's got that one covered. I mean, like, I don't know, man. Like, for all the, the things that Democrats value... I don't know. I mean, and she, and she legitimately, and you're right, but her looking and behaving like a Hunger Games villain, it's like, she just gives me the creeps. I mean, she legitimately makes my skin crawl. Anytime you hear a speech, it's like, man, she, there's just something off with this woman. But I don't know, man. I, and I, I think they're going to try to make her happen, man. I, I think they're going to try to skip over Gavin Newsom. Obviously, everybody knows he wants to be president, but. You know, he's the douchebag California guy. He's not going to appeal to Iowans, you know, or people in Indiana or Ohio. So I think they're going to, I think they're going to. Yeah, gonna but he doesn't, he doesn't need that either, though. He just no. needs California. So yeah. if he if he knows Harris is sitting out, he wins California clean, you know, all he's got to do is just make it. And he can already raise a ton of money. But for some reason, he said unequivocally he's not going to do it for some reason. So I think he thinks he's doing the whole I'm going to wait my turn thing, which you know, that's sort of what Biden did with uh, Clinton in what was it, 16? Yeah. And we'll see how, you know, like he, you just sort of, you lose your moment. I mean, that's why everybody's saying about Ron DeSantis. It's like, you gotta, you gotta take it while the, while the iron's hot, you know, you, you can't be like the world changes. I mean, pre COVID to now world's a different place. It's not the same. And, you know, I think, I think he might, if he has any sort of brain, he might give it a ride because I mean, Four years from now, or you know, I guess five years from now, the world's gonna be a very different place than it is now. It's yeah, rapidly changing. I, I don't know. I don't know. If Gavin Newsom has the staying power there. But yeah, I mean, I can't imagine like rich white guys are gonna become more popular in the Democratic Party. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If Newsom's gonna do it, he might as well do it now. Like I just don't. I, I think they're gonna. I mean, they're going to keep doubling down over and over on the identity politics stuff, and I just don't think. I mean, it, it, it's going to get to the point eventually where like a white guy can't. Like they just like they would just kill him if if they nominated a white guy. The press would. So it's like I don't know. Yeah, I think and then I, DeSantis is going to run. He has to. He, he's too smart. He knows that. You know, you hear like the Trump base, the people that are still hanging in there with Trump. They're like, oh, we like DeSantis, but wait till twenty twenty eight. Like that is not how it works. That is absolutely not how it works. And I use this as an example all the time. Like if Elizabeth Warren, like Elizabeth Warren, 
had all the heat in like 2016 too. Like she could have, if she would have ran against Hillary Clinton, she probably would have beat her in the primaries. And this was before all the fake Indian stuff. This is before she went like full commie. You know, she was more of a, I mean, she was a hard left, obviously, but she wasn't viewed as like a joke nationally. Sure. And then you fast forward and she's like, oh, no, I don't want to get in there and, and tango with the Clintons. And, you know, I'm probably a smart call. You know, she's still alive. So, you know, it could, right. could have been worse. Right. But like, you know, and now she's a complete joke. And then she just spent years lying about being an Indian. She went full like Marxist. And like she she can't win like she'll never you know like whatever she'd get one percent if she ran again you know so it's just it the it, the the tide changes so quickly man like this is DeSantis's shot like it, it it's just not gonna happen like the party will move on to somebody else by 2028. Yeah, I mean think about it. I mean it's it's really there's a there's a very easy model for this right like it's literally Rick Scott. He was governor was a very popular governor and. But and, and if you would ask people back then, like run for president, you know, yep. he might have had a fighting shot at it because he yep. was a very popular governor in Florida, did yep. a lot of good things, did the job stuff, was, you know, was viewed very well after several of the hurricanes that took place in Florida and, and the recovery from those, which is, you know, not which is a Herculean task in and of itself. Yes. And but now, you know, you get in you get in the senatorial committee and he spent money weirdly. And, you know, now it's like Rick Scott's like, uh, you know, people are less inclined to view the governor stuff as they are to view the Senate stuff. And now it's sort of like, Ugh. I mean, that, that's literally Ron DeSantis's model. He has to look at that and consider that. But my concern with with Ronnie D is I just don't want Ronnie D to do the same thing that Rick Perry did. You know, Rick Perry, very, very popular. Everybody wanted him to run. He gets on the national stage. And it's not good because it go. you know, it's, it's a little different as governor. You can kind of you can pick and choose your exposure. Um, when it goes national, it's just every every moment comes out. And then in addition to like just the the hot, I mean, as we know, as conservatives, I mean, the, the, the other moments that are just made up moments, like you have to deal with those, too. I so. think it's I think he's different than Rick Perry, because the, the issues that he's facing in Florida right now are all like nationalized issues. And that's just not the case. When you're governor of Texas, at least if when you're governor of Texas 10 years ago, you know, like stuff he was dealing with, it's all like tax policy stuff. It's all border control stuff. And, sure. you know, if you're in Ohio, like you have a totally different tax code and you're 2,500 miles from the southern border. So that stuff just doesn't like matter. But if you look at all the stuff that DeSantis is focused on, it's all stuff that right wingers from coast to coast care about. And he's sure. doing that because he's smart and he understands that. He understands what to keep local, what to nationalize. And I think he's kind of threaded that needle perfectly. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. I think you're right about that. I mean, I believe me, like I I would like a dogfight in the Republican primary. I think 100%, that, 100%. that is that is where like number one, I mean, your people, bro, the libertarians, like I think that is where we really voice a lot of fighting power and get people on board that actually that are actually passionate versus libertarians just pulling like the or even moderates just pulling that reluctant lever in november we need them being like yeah like this is our horse and we're gonna go out there and talk to our neighbors and stuff it's it it can't be where everybody walks into the voting booth in 2024 and says you know like i'm between a rock and a hard place and i'll pull the like the less crappy option it needs to be I'm excited to go into the booth and pull this lever because if I don't, this country is going to be much, much worse off. And this person is going to champion bringing an army to Washington that's going to make things better. And yeah. I and I think if, if we don't put a candidate out there that's like that, we are in pretty world of trouble. 
Hundred percent, and that's the difference between Trump and DeSantis. Like, I would vote for Trump if I had to. I'd vote for him over a Democrat, obviously. But it's like, I mean, after how he mismanaged COVID, he handed the full power of the federal government to Anthony Fauci. All the, you know, he didn't do anything to end any of the unnecessary wars. He blew out spending. I mean, it's like there's no way I, as a libertarian, would be enthusiastic to vote for Donald sure. Trump. I mean, it would just, be, I, I would just be voting for him to try to stop the evil Biden spending plans and try to bring inflation down a little bit. I would enthusiastically vote for Ron DeSantis. And I think a, a lot broader swath of Republicans would as well, but you know, we'll see. It'll be fun, man. It'll be a fun couple of years. Tyler, I know you got to, I know you got to go here. I know you got a hard out, but thanks for doing this, man. We'll do it again soon. I know he doesn't tweet very much, but everybody go follow Ty over on Twitter and Instagram, all that good stuff. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Thank you.